Welcome in, everybody. Exciting new episode of Bleeding Claret and Cobalt brought to you by OneWireFiber.com. Excited today to have RSL Director of Data Analytics, Vahe Tanelian, join us. We know that Vahe is a guest that a lot of you have been clamoring for on social media over the last uh, couple months since we started and um, just a, a fascinating conversation. Again, just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to be able to have Vahe on again, but we really had to set the table for how he helped kind of create a data department for this club out of thin air, a Westminster graduate, Salt Lake City native. He's loved this club since the very, very beginning. Um, Ryan, what was the... F- coolest part of uh, probing Vahe's brain about how the art and science of analytics mix uh, in a soccer-specific environment. Well, I like how we're getting to the point where the guys that play in the middle of the field get, they have numbers attached (laughs) to their name, you know, because for so long you have, um, I think that's one of the things, like soccer is uh, notoriously a black hole for like stats yeah like sure. you know baseball every single movement yeah. is a stat you know it's like yeah. but in soccer you don't have you got goals you have saves you have assists you have but now we're getting to the point where you can you can track things like chances create you know that, that people are actually tra- that so those are being mm. that's a big part of what makes a player a player you know yeah. and uh i think he'll bring up a couple of names during this but you know guys that don't necessarily make it onto the score sheet are scoring high in certain places that are is extremely valuable and as we see like you know what's happening with the the chain you know the changes in the roster for mm-hmm. ourselves this last season it's like well we needed we know we need players here because we have players here that are doing this yeah. and if we don't have someone who can take care of these crosses these these chances created then what is the point of having these you know players that are doing it it's also interesting to see like he brings up a couple of players that are performing way above their pay rate, their pay that's, grade, that's, yeah, it's interesting, and I think we have a lot of those at RSL, and it's, uh, you know, I won't spoil it because he he goes through them, but yeah. that's a, uh, you know, I think we as a as RSL fans we know that intuitively when we watch our team on the field, we say that these guys are not, you know, they are playing at a high level, even though sometimes yeah. the score sheet doesn't match that, or sometimes the the standings in the in the on the box, you know, on the the table doesn't show that, so. um yeah, guys like Vahe, man, I, I love hearing the kind of stuff he comes up with and that he's digging out of these these um, these moments that a lot of us maybe can't always see. Yeah. We're only a few weeks from MLS opening day, uh, RSL obviously with a bye week on April 17th, but we'll have Vahe on again uh, mid-season just to check in and, and dig a little deeper. But I think it's really cool the way he sets a table for how analytics are applied internally externally throughout the whole pyramid it's complicated it's constantly evolving there's always uh, new and emerging practices in this space Um, he does spend a little bit of time discussing how he takes his I don't know thesis is probably a good word for it marries it with the video um, in order to kind of show uh, the scouts or the coaches or the staff or whoever, um, you know, the the science behind everything. And it is uh, a fascinating, you'll hear a constant theme is, is kind of the yin and yang of the art and the science of data analytics in the soccer space. So coming up on the other side, Vahe Tanelian from Real Salt Lake. 
bleeding claret and cobalt presented by onewirefiber.com that's the number one wirefiber.com the goal at onewire has always been a simple one deliver cutting edge telecommunications products and services better than anyone in the utah communities we serve to all businesses regardless of size affordably visit onewirefiber.com or call 801 801- 990-6200. All right. Welcome, Bleeding, Claret and Cobalt. Our next guest is somebody that's been on the list since day one, and the uh, Twitter demand has finally been rewarded. Vahe Tanelian. Did I say that last name right? Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> the director of data analytics for Real Salt Lake. Uh, Vahe, thank you so much for taking the time to, to hang out with us today. Well, thank you, Trey. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be on the show. Yeah, so um, let's start at the beginning. You and I met at a, at Spitz. We'll give them a little shout. Yeah. Downtown, me and you and Dunny. That's right. And you were a guy, I believe you were working at Goldman Sachs at the time. That is correct. A recent Westminster graduate, and you're a soccer junkie. Soccer nerd. And oh, yeah. you you just wanted to pick me and Dunny's brain, and I think we met one night uh, either before or after we had done you know one of our on-frame shows, and it was just really cool to hear you kind of talk about and ask questions about how do I get in with the club? How do I get into the sport and take my, and I guess I'll call it data analytics background, but at the time, I don't think, especially on the American soccer scene, people really knew much. I mean, there was a few people here and there. This is before Sloan Sports Conference and right. uh, and all the expected goals, and we'll get into some of that stuff, how yeah. everything's evolved in a very short period of time, but... This was what, probably 2015? This sounds about right, 2015. I started officially with the club in 2016, but I had made contact with you and Dunny before that, and I'd known Rob since 2014. Rob Zarkos. Yes, Rob Zarkos, that's right. Um, Executive VP of Soccer Ops. And yeah, just always knew that I wanted to be a part of this club. Being from Salt Lake, like you said, start from the beginning. Yeah. Um, And I knew I had some capacity to be a be a value for this organization when it came to analytics at the time really we were blazing a new trail it was um something that when i came to the club there was no person of my capacity or stature previous to me so we were really kind of hitting the ground running and it was baptism by fire and it was understanding how can we take analytics and make it of substance for our club um so yeah it's been you had you had kind of a blank slate to create what has evolved into a process now. Absolutely, yes. And let's take a step back and understand how we approach analytics in its simplest form, 30,000 foot. Sure. When you look at analytics and apply it to a club, there are three buckets it falls into. There's internal analysis, there's external analysis, and then there is scouting and recruiting. So really when I started at the club, I think, and this is just through process of learning and trial and error and and building the process from ground up, my job was really to try to solve the world's problem for analytics, trying to find that one magic bullet stat that would solve the equation and say, why did a player break out or why is a player about to break out? That doesn't exist, does it? It doesn't exist, right? (laughs) And if you're a fan of the movie Moneyball or read the book and um, you you see examples of other analytics clubs uh, in MLS and throughout the rest of the world, 
we know that there's no one right way to solve Moneyball, um, to solve that question, right? And in not solving the world's problem, we similarly didn't solve our own problem. And that was a part of what we really needed to come to with this whole 2020 culture reset and really gearing towards the right direction and building a sustainable infrastructure and cost-effective infrastructure to build out our analytics department. So, So, you know, I'm fascinated because like, you know, like you, I'm I'm an MLS snob. Um, I do have teams and players overseas that I like to watch, but I'm not as hardcore as probably a lot of people listening uh, right now. I've always been MLS born and bred for lack of another term. Sure. So, and certainly, you know, one of the things that I remember being so impressed with you when we first met in, in our subsequent chats is you had almost like a photographic memory of certain moments uh, surrounding uh, Real Salt Lake and goals and plays. And, you know, for me, I wish I had that. <laughs> and I, it's funny, like th- that's the funnest part for me of doing this pod and, and talking to people just about the club is things come rushing back. But I felt like I did have a pretty good, I wouldn't call it photographic, but a pretty crystal clear memory of things from 2005 through 14. And then 15 when we added the Monarchs. And then 18 when we added the Royals. It was just too many games. And like everything, everything started getting mixed and matched and, and, lacked chronological sequence but um for you before we get you know deep into how you uh i guess i want to say and i'm going to mix a metaphor here probably but it's like it's like how do you eat an elephant you know one bite at a time right Right. and (laughs) analytics has got to i think if you look at it as a whole and all the things you want to do it's probably just massive can be intimidating but you know, you came into the club and you said 16, right? So it was Monarch's second year. Correct. So kind of, we talked a minute ago about the blank slate. And obviously, you're coming from a fan standpoint. How how did you kind of reconcile your head and your heart and then, you know, the business at hand? It's a great question. I think really to start addressing how I could start to make myself an impact and a role mm-hmm. player, a, I don't know, just a difference maker for our organization sure. would be understanding how I can take this analytics piece, which is not always welcomed, <laughs> which yeah. sometimes is um, just goes over a lot of people's heads. And well, it's hard to mix art yeah. and science, right? Absolutely, and that's really the key because when I'm introduced to when I was introduced to the club. I think my role was not as clearly described to the rest of the staff, and they're thinking, this guy thinks he knows it all. But really (laughs) what my role is is to support others and provide another added layer of information that simply looking at the field and the eye test can't pass, right? So I think analytics is a supplemental tool to assist in the decision-making process overall. So it's almost like, and this is where I think you and I bonded, is – like I loved going through historical box scores in whether it's individual or team and trying to find trends to tell a story, right? Exactly. And I think that's a lot of what analytics does, but maybe on a slightly deeper level where you're trying to also predict future performance. That's a lot of pressure, man. Sure. Yeah, it's not it's especially for coaches and, you know, you have this whole history regardless of sport where coaches and scouts and GMs and and technical directors or whatever of a certain 
bundle of eras, they go with their gut feel, right? It's their own breed, or their essentially. Eye, yeah. Right? And now you're trying to, and this is not unique to soccer, but it's all it's all the data that is uh, is being, you know, f- not force fed, but mm-hmm. it's really in the last five six years, like we're talking about, uh, emerging in basketball, in baseball. I guess, like you said, Moneyball is probably the right. maybe the originator of, of some of this. And baseball is such a statistical um, hotbed, and and some of that has to do with pace of play and the way the events are calculated not you know with a running clock etc cetera, et cetera. absolutely so i'm getting off tangent that's here, fine so. it's all relative so yeah. how did you um i mean let's talk for a second before we get into the process let's talk about just your soccer fandom you're a madridista absolutely um a la madrid and uh that's my european team if if i'm being honest because i, I did have the fortune uh, through Real Salt Lake to to visit there in uh, both 2007 and uh, 2009 to go see games at the Bernabeu. So it's pretty um, awesome, you know. And, and their history with the Galacticos uh, certainly uh, helped uh, right. uh, an MLS snob American uh, <laughs> gravitate towards them. But um, you know, I guess I want to I want to hear about your fandom. I also want to hear about what you did at Westminster to, and Goldman Sachs to kind of drive you into this. Uh, statistical data analytics area. So first to approach the uh, soccer fandom yeah. part of the question. Um, always been a Real Madrid fan, but that stems straight from my admiration and love for Real Salt Lake at the time. Okay, Their jerseys were originally red at the top, blue yep. shorts, gold stripes. And when watching my first World Cup in 2006, first year following RSL's yeah. uh, inaugural season, the only national team that repped the same jerseys as RSL was the Spanish national team. And I was drawn to their probably more significant figures, their captain at the time, Raul, yeah. goalkeeper. When, when we have the uniform podcast episode, I'll tell my stories about arguing with Adidas about the Spanish <laughs> national team leftovers that should have been coming our way. But yeah. anyway, I, I digress. Yeah, it was just it was simply <laughs> just due to the similarity in, in the way they looked on the field, and that's what drew me to um, the Spanish national team, to Real Madrid stars Raul, Ica Casillas, Sergio Ramos at the time, and that's where the love has stayed. I still keep my admiration and loyalty to that club, a la Madrid. We need so more Madridistas. Did you go club. to the Madrid game at Rice Eccles? I did not. No, okay. I did not at the time. Did your family? Negative. Okay. <laughs> we just didn't afford the tickets at the time. Got it. But okay. obviously watched, was a huge fan, Ruud van Nistelrooy, Rubinho yeah. with the goal scorer. So, yeah, just a trip through memory lane to yeah. kind of revisit that time when Real Madrid were super p- packed on the Galactico side yeah. and had some – Really great historical players. So awesome. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at Westminster, how did you find your way to this area of expertise? Yeah. So you know the phrase. It's going to be a cliche. It's not what you know. It's who you know, mm-hmm. right? And it's going to be a convoluted story. But bear with me. So <laughs> at Westminster, I I did this uh, business quantitative research class that essentially one of our final projects was supposed to do some regression analyses. I wanted to predict player salaries using whatever data I could find on MLSsoccer.com. And I was working with my professor, and he was saying, what's your intent? One day you're going to show this to the owner of RSL or what? And I was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I should. I didn't really have those intentions at the time, but like you know, I always had the infatuation with the game, and I think I always saw myself in some capacity with the club to be able to impact and you know be a role role player and a game changer for us. So... um, 
through some of my extracurricular activities at Westminster, I was also involved in the choir and acapella group. I sang bass. Nice. And um, Deloy's youngest daughter at the time, Carrie, joined the choir and be- we became good friends. Okay. And long story short, I ended up running into her at a game one time and saying, hey, long time no see. What's happening? Hey, good to see you. Um, <laughs> I would love to work at RSL. She was working for the foundation at the time. Right. And she was like, yeah, let me hook it up. And then- <laughs> Oh, very cool. <laughs> yeah. that's. I ended up getting in an interview room with- Weibel and Zarcos yep. and, and Deloy was there. John Strang, business in analytics yeah. at the time. And uh, essentially they said, who could use this guy? And that's how and I got you know, introduced. You know, club. Weibel and I are very close. Yes. I don't know if I could build somebody that would be perceptibly more anti-analytics than Craig Weibel. Yeah, it was a fun balance. And, <laughs> and we talked about that in the previous question in terms of like, yeah. there's a lot of analytics. Uh, there's there's a huge balance in understanding the art to the science and how can I translate that piece, not simply just to my own staff, but even to the coaching staff yeah. and to the peripheral staff that, that this information really impacts. So it was a good balance, but we learned to grow together and work together and it was so a good time. So you referenced the professor asking you what's your intent is that is that really a starting point i guess i mean do you start with kind of a thesis or you know is that an intent like i want okay. to i want to go here let's see what the numbers say yeah I or think... i have a i have a feeling or freddie has a feeling or whatever that this is happening on this side of the field or from this position or for this player okay that's a great question i think how we should focus on it regarding the analytics piece is to reverse engineer what's important. What's important at the end of the day, it's scoring goals. So then you have to look at how do we create most opportunities for goals? It's creating chances. It's getting opportunities in the box. It's creating overlapping runs. You know, all these sorts Mm -hmm. of things that maybe on a spreadsheet, when you look at it on surface level, it doesn't tell you that much or it could tell you something, but that's the direction that analytics is has been moving and it's been pretty quick and is continuing to move is to gain more context behind what's happening on the field simply a spreadsheet alone that doesn't translate well enough to the coaching staff Mm. but what does the marriage between analytics and this new school versus old school approach is video analysis right so i've been working very closely with rob rogers our director of video analysis on the first team okay been more integrated with our performance staff as well to get some metrics and combine them with event data, yeah. pair it with the video, and from there, we, wow. like we say, like I said, we can reverse engineer a goal or areas of importance that we want to stress and highlight for our coaching staff and players to then be able to take actionable insights from. That's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the prevailing thought or methodology in terms of sample size? So, I guess when we're looking season over season, um, 2020 would be a tough one to really include given circumstances, given um, lack of good data, honestly, at this point. I think uh, 2020, since there were so many players rotating in and out, not enough appearances, it's kind of hard to, you know, you kind of take that data with a grain of salt. But regarding sample sizes, we look... We tried to look within at least a two or three year window previous to our current okay. season yep. to keep the data relevant to understand. Obviously, we know that the game is continuously evolving in MLS. Sure. The league is changing. Money is being pumped in. And we have to understand as a small market club, we need to leverage this sort of information to our advantage to best our adversaries. So, yeah. And I, I apologize for bouncing around, but I think it's, it's all so fascinating. So 
It's a good conversation. Endemic to the RSL philosophy um, is the academy. And so I guess how have you been able to um, balance probably the immediacy that the first team needs Mm -hmm. with the development that that is necessary at the academy level and then you obviously have an intermediary step with the monarchs, right. where the mandate has always been to both win and develop talent. Yeah. Which you know some people think are, are mutually exclusive uh, objectives, but not necessarily. Absolutely, um, it just sounds like uh, a fascinating challenge. And I guess uh, you know how how do you kind of approach uh, that from a priority standpoint and. Obviously, they all bleed together, and we're seeing it now. With, Absolutely. Whether it's Douglas Martinez or Michael Chang or, you know, um, Aaron Herrera, you know, there's so many storylines of guys that have come through m- multiple stages of of the pyramid. Right. So I'm going to take that question. Yep. Take a step back from okay. it. And when we're approaching analytics, we put it into three buckets for its sake of simplicity: internal analysis, external analysis, right. scouting and recruiting. With that. We know that having not solved the world's problem previously, we kind of took a look in the mirror after 2020 and said, what is our problem? What should we be focusing on? And we've seen a consistent trend around some other MLS clubs with academy players being developed and sold on as assets sure. to European clubs, Dallas, Philadelphia, Red Bulls. Yep. You know, these guys are, or these teams are developing players where we have the resources, the money is there, it's been invested. How come we're not capitalizing in the same manner or in the same output, the same way that other clubs have maximized their value on their academy assets. So that's been the main focus for analytics for the RSL organization lately is to more consistently and objectively gain data points on our academy pieces to understand the pulse of the talent from a younger level within the organization to then know what are the players that are going to be best suited to be promoted to those next ranks, the Monarchs or the first team. Wow, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, we we can create some internal benchmarks to see. Obviously, it's stemming from the club's philosophy. Yeah, yeah. and on based on the club's philosophy, whether it's possession based, whether it's attacking soccer, yeah. you know that those are the metrics that we can highlight on team levels and see are our teams hitting these thresholds or not. And then we can go back, focus a little bit deeper into individual players' progression plans. And focus in and hone in and say, okay, these are their technical skills. These are their tactical skills. Here's the mental performance questionnaires that Mm. we've been working on. It gives you a more holistic perspective of the player to then understand what's the right decision in terms of as an asset and as what makes the team better down the road. Wow. Um, Mm -hmm. So many places to go. So, um, (laughs) and I mean, this must be your life, right? You're, You're constantly compiling and then dividing and splitting out. By position, by area of the field, by age, by whatever random, not random, but whatever (laughs) metric uh, pops up. Right. Based on more of a positional profile, I can say there are respective KPIs, we call them, key performance indicator data points, Mm. key stats that are more relevant to some positions than to others, right? When you look at a nine, they're paid to score the goals. When you look at a center back, they're paid to not concede goals right so again thinking about this whole reverse engineering of what's important to create a goal or then you know similarly for a positional level what's important for a 10 to do what's important for a wing to do 
then you take the data, reverse it back, understand trends and analyses over the course of time with enough data, and then you can understand this is, or maybe not understand, you can say you can more easily project yeah. with confidence what the future may entail, how you can predict value in players that you wouldn't have seen on with the eye test before. So yeah. So let's let's try to walk through a real world example. Okay. So um, it's long been rumored, but only recently in the last few days, the Bobby Wood acquisition became official. Right. Um, Bobby Wood, obviously a guy with with a reputation due to his time uh, at the national team. Has been on a on a you know by MLS standards a big money contract uh, at Hamburg uh, in the recent years since he signed that contract not playing as much as certainly he would like or or anybody would like but you know this is a big get for Real Salt Lake so when I assume Elliot Tony Rob Freddie whoever mm-hmm. is is talking to to Bobby and his agent and and looking at that opportunity. I imagine at some point they come to you and say, hey, look at his progression and tell us what. Absolutely. How does that process work? Well, I'm so happy you brought this question up, and especially the case of Bobby Wood. Yeah. And I'm also going to cite Rubio Rubin, another striker, yeah, another great acquisition one, yeah. from this offseason. Elephant in the room. It doesn't take a person of my capacity <laughs> to realize that we were missing a consistent goal scorer last year. Sure. We were missing a nine. So. Well, you and I are probably the president and vice president of the Alvaro Sabario fan club. Oh, so absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I love Sabario. So that we'll we'll uh, we'll do a Sabo specific pod down the road. I love it. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. But obviously, um, back to back to the question. No, no lie that we were missing a consistent goal scorer. Right? Who was that consistent guy last year? We took a hope on Giuseppe Rossi. Sam Johnson came and went. Demir sometimes played up top. Mm. Corey Baird, you know, he sometimes played up top. But there was no true consistent finisher and when you look at a data perspective uh 2020 even compared to 2019 or 2018 three most recent seasons right real salt lake is creating chances real salt lake is creating opportunities that are dangerous real salt lake is creating opportunities where we can be involved in the opposition's box what was the one thing in 2020 that we were lacking is the conversion of those opportunities Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. goals being converted from shots on goal, right. right? So with the acquisitions of a guy like Bobby Wood or whoever else were candidates, really it came down to, sure, what does what are the two cents worth for analytics, but also pairing it with the philosophy of the club. Does this person fit the identity of a nine? Does this person work hard on the ball and off the ball, you know, offensively, defensively? So right. with w- whatever metrics we're focusing on, you know, touches in the opposition's box, shot conversions, chance creation for our attacking players, we can compare that against the other guys we were who are on the short at, list. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And then came down to an agreement that said everyone is comfortable with this player. Let's move forward. Obviously, like we said, it's an art to the science. There's right. a balance. There's not going to be it's not like analytics is the here all end all solution. We need the contextualization and the areas of expertise of our staff to provide the input with the insights that the analytics provide. I imagine you have to also spend a fair amount of time investigating the quality of the data and where it's coming from. So whether it's Opta or any one of all these other companies that are emerging with either consistent data points that have become a universal language in the space or 
introducing new metrics and new concepts, right? right? Another great question. I'm really happy you brought that up. In terms of where analytics has... Full of great questions over here. Oh, I, I wasn't expecting <laughs> anything less, my man. Nothing less. Um, so in terms of the trend of analytics, say over the last 10 years to today to where I can see it going, 10 years ago it was about saying, do we have data, right? And is there enough data, sample sizes, right? We just talked about then it became a story about or a question of whether or not the data itself was accurate or clean. And in my introduction to the club, my skill sets or trade sets, even though I came from a financial background, was really more geared towards this data analyst, data scientist-like role. Today where we sit, where we have data providers like Opta, there's StatsBomb, there's the league provider of Second Spectrum who are also yep. providing for the NBA. Now there's so much data from a technical perspective and part of the learning curve of approaching the job, we're realizing, okay, I guess we need more technical skills than simply what data analysis can provide. There's so much data that's being pushed and pulled at this point, yeah. right? That it's important to hone in on all of that, understand what's the signal through the noise and being, again, able to translate that and match that to our staff and performance um, or club philosophy to come to unison and say, okay, we're comfortable with what the analytics say, we're comfortable with how our club plays, and we can see this player, uh, targeted player being a success here. So, wow. Mm -hmm. My mind's going a million directions right now just <laughs> listening to all this. This I is love so it. much fun. <laughs> Do you have a particular, I don't know if what the right word is, factoid or, or a trend that you discovered that you're especially proud of? And I say this from a context of when I used to research and write like the game notes, there's just some that stuck out. You know, you kind of go down these rabbit holes and, you know, I remember and it must have been, I don't know, 2010, we had eight guys on the roster. Now it was probably a little bit later, 11 maybe. But we ended up having like eight guys on the roster that had played together for five years. It was just like the longest tenured core in league history. Oh, yeah. So so trying to like figure out what you have and provide provide context to it to help it like you've said um provide a factual basis to what you feel in your gut or what you think is happening, you know, philosophically. And it's uh I don't know, there's uh, there's a a sense of discovery Sure. Um, that comes from that, I guess, verification, right. um, which is just really cool for people who are as passionate about this club as people like you and I and yeah, absolutely. many, many others are. So I guess uh, if you have a few examples that you can share of things that you're like, I think this, and then you go down the rabbit hole and you figure out that it either is or isn't, but it takes you someplace else and you're like, holy crap, this is awesome. Absolutely. Again, another great question. <laughs> keep it up. Keep it up. Um, I'm so happy you asked this because I, like I, I'm not going to take credit for having found out this stat, but yeah. it's related to the previous question you asked about data trends, understanding which players will work well with our club, and knowing that we've created a lot of opportunities in these last couple of years. Let's focus on 2020. We knew the service was there. We have quality players mm -hmm. who can provide the ball into the box. Justin Miram on the wing, Corey Baird at the time. Jason Ramirez, we haven't seen him enough of, but, you right. know, Demir Krylak, Albert Rusnak, Michael Chang. We have these guys that can service in the ball. 
but still elephant in the room. We needed that consistent yeah. finisher. But when you're looking at the, su- the supply of those opportunities, those chances created, we found out that Michael Chang on his like 86,000 almost minimum salary mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time last sure. year compared to what his output was for chances created, he fell in the top 10 in the league. And he wow. was he was with other names like Zella Rayan and Carlos Vela. And, you know, in terms of efficacy, chances created right. per 90 minutes. Good word. He's, you know, he's a great example where we can, again, look back. I know he's not an academy player, but he came up through the ranks. Sure. Through working hard, through the development team of the Monarchs, and then earned his opportunity for the first team. And realizing that his salary is only 86000 and then I think... Lewis Morgan from Inter Miami last year. He was on a very low salary, whereas the top ten guys of these chances created. I think he was only on two hundred thousand. It's not officially disclosed. But, right. Um, the rest of these salaries averaged out to about one point five million. <laughs> you know, TAM level, almost yeah. DP level kind of players. So, focusing on that piece alone, just the financial aspect, yeah. we're saying okay. Follow the money. Absolutely, right? <laughs> like, this can be replicated. This yeah. is not, I mean, it's it's awesome that we have this as a success story to tell and that Chang has earned his opportunity through the ranks. Sure. How can we duplicate that? How can we replicate that, right? Chris Garcia is another great example. Yeah. Like, he earned his opportunity with the first team after coming through the academy, came in in the preseason, and just blew everyone out of the water. Mm. So, again, young player coming through the ranks, earning his opportunity and then with a low salary compared to, you know, the money that's continuously being pumped into this league, focusing on international stars and DPs and TAMs. Um, how can we maximize that from our perspective and a cost perspective? Again, sure. looking at our players more as assets, really, and saying, what can their impact be on the field and how can we <laughs> multiply their dollar value off the field yeah. for a potential sell-on in the future. That yin and yang between the data and the and the art, or you know, the That's eye of the beholder type stuff. Absolutely, art to the is science. fascinating. Art to the yeah. science. So I guess that leads me to, you know, as you've established yourself, do you find that I don't know Freddie Juarez or Pablo Mastroeni or Hamas and Alave or the staffs are coming to you like? Hey, can you go? Can you do some digging on this for me? Yeah, you know they don't come to me directly. I okay. work more through their support staff okay. to help translate that message sure, a little bit sure. more cleanly. Because, like we said, it's this whole old school versus new school. It's yeah. still it, it, if there's not a lot of intuition and knowledge behind the mm-hmm. analytics, the right way to translate that is through video, and that's okay. really my focus Got on it. that. But honestly, at the end of the day, we are talking about the same thing when it comes to what the coaches value in a player versus what the analytics should value in a player, which is, you know, scoring goals, creating opportunities, pace, physical performance, right? We're talking the same language, but we're coming at it from a different angle. So I think, again, that visual support, that video evidence to validate what the opinion of the analytics is saying and also the opinion of the coaching staff. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, the analytics field is moving at light speed. Sure. Technology moving at light speed. How stressful is it to try to feel like you're on top of things? It's not terribly stressful as long as you understand the pulse of what the big picture is. Okay. Um, I, I understand there's a lot of moving pieces. And mm-hmm. um, like I touched on before, I think technical traits... I'm not as technically gifted as I thought as I was before in terms of a software engineer side. Okay. But uh, that's allowed. It's fine. Absolutely. (laughs) But this is part of the learning curve. And I think actually um, 
we haven't touched on this, but Kurt's Kurt yeah, Schmidt, Kurt Schmid. his introduction to the club, you know, and given his pedigree, he's worked at a lot of great clubs with a lot of awesome resources. And specifically, I want to highlight Seattle Sounders. Sure. And, you know, Ravi Ramaneni, their director of analytics. Yep. No, he's the best. He's a bit of a unicorn. He's a bit of an anomaly in terms of the <laughs> MLS analytics community because of his skill set, right? And I think with Kurt's expertise and his knowledge and background, that's our main focus is to say, if we don't have that Ravi piece, right, how can yeah. we still build something of an instrument? infrastructure that's sustainable, right? And also cost effective because we're still never going to be the Seattle's or LA's or New York's and, you know, in terms of big money pumping into the team. But again, that gives us motivation and inspiration to continue to leverage analytics to the best of our abilities to, again, best our adversaries. So, yeah. How does your job focus, charge, whatever you want to call it, change from in-season to off-season? So... Off-season is certainly a lot more busy than people on the outside looking in would yeah, tend to give Yeah, just so you know, the for, way yeah. I've always described it is off-season is chaos. Like it I, certainly is. You're waiting for the schedule. You're waiting for signings. You're waiting for this, that, and the other. Absolutely. And then once you kind of get in the season, you get a nice rhythm going. Every Absolutely. Saturday, occasionally Wednesdays, you got right. the cup competitions, et cetera, and you just kind of get into a beat. Right, exactly. I think regular season, it's a little bit more cyclical. You know what to expect week in, week mm-hmm. out, and I think... Um, it's easier to find yourself in that little beat, in that groove, in the yeah. rhythm of what the season entails. And yeah. you always got to, you know, expect the unexpected, keep on your toes. But um, that's what makes the <laughs> sport and game so exciting to be around. Um, regarding off season, it's more about kind of hit, assessing what that previous season's output was. Okay. Kind of assessing it as a staff and from management and saying. Yeah. What were the results? How can we continue to use analytics to deliver the results we want? What's the message that we're trying to flex and translate to the rest of our support staff? And um, it's really about integrating with the rest of the staff to get new projects underway, to get new ideas on the board, seeing what sticks, and continuing to use that throughout the course of the season when that resumes again. So, yeah. And you and I have talked about this for years, Mm -hmm. and I think we're probably pretty close, I would imagine, but there's so much of what you do that I think, you know, we 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 need to get it to Tyler Gibbons and Ken Neal and Brian Dunseth and get it on the broadcast and get it in the social because I think it, it does help educate and inform and tell the stories that we need to tell. Right. That's exactly what analytics is at the end of the day. It's, it's certainly a lot of noise if you look at it at surface level, but my job is to help find that signal through the noise and help mm-hmm. translate that to whoever needs to find the relevant information and take those actionable insights from the data and apply it through to the business-making decision process. So, yeah. Um, a few switching gears a, a hair here to some big picture. You know, you're a guy that obviously loves this club and always has. <laughs> When John Kimball, Elliot, Tony, many, many others um, that had a hand in creating the public unveiling of the RSL way, how did that make you feel? I think, you know, it's been mentioned on this podcast before from previous guests that I think the night is always darkest before the dawn and dark Mm -hmm. days don't last forever, right? I think the introduction and really the value and impact of that curriculum of the RSL way Yeah holds more weight and value because of what else has happened off the field. We don't need to get into details. Yeah, but, but just the public accountability nature is fascinating. Absolutely. Me. And I think for more reasons than one, I think it's certainly an exciting time 
as both a fan and an employee yeah. to be excited about Real Salt Lake soccer again. Yeah. I think that docu- that document is a more or less, for lack of a better term, it's a hard reset of culture. Mm-hmm. And it's a new identity that I know myself and a lot of my colleagues and others inside the RSL walls are working hard towards being living, breathing versions of that yeah. curriculum, right? We want to hold each other accountable to the way that things should be, which is integrating, developing, inclusivity, harmony, mm. um, pride, integrity. Yeah. I'm missing all of the points right now. But yeah. I think all of these things, when you focus on it as a whole, it really helps give our club a new identity and something to be proud of and hold ourselves to, to carry ourselves forward into this new era of right. success and That's amazing. and what's to come. Yeah. Um, what... And I, this will be a whole separate pod. But mm-hmm, sure. What are what are your favorite moments as a as an RSL fan? Let's see. I uh, I think the first time we qualified for the playoffs mm. in Colorado. Yeah. When Bama had the opportunity, but uh, the rebound fell to Yura Mafsisian. Yeah. My boy. And you're a big Yura guy. Yeah. Big Yura guy. I'm Ar- of Armenian ethnicity. Okay. So um, being a Salt Lake native and having Yura on the team at the time meant a lot. For okay. Just more than that. That's you know, really cool. I think, and just it, that representation, huh? Absolutely, and it helped obviously build my bond to the club yeah. and helped me feel that much more proud about every time I saw them on the field. And um, yeah, great story for that. I think you know qualifying for the playoffs for the first time in '08 was mm. fantastic. Um, lifting the trophy itself in '09 um, still brings chills to my spine. And even though uh, it wasn't as successful, I'm still very proud of the 13 season. Yeah. That championship run, sure. obviously, it's still hard to remove that from memory. But I think I think we still had so much to build on from that season, and mm-hmm. can continue to focus on the highlights from what came of that. Even though we didn't win, we can still focus on what our culture was, what our identity was. When I think of that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe this is part of my headspace on working on some of the other stuff with Spencer Checkets on the history. You know, thirteen was disappointing for you know the cup final losses Mm -hmm. but 14 was still a great year we scored i mean we had 55 points in the standings and you know to me that was kind of a not the birth but like part of the reason 2014 was successful is because of joao plata's success right but joao plata's success was i think wholly tied to him being able to put more than 50% of his shots on goal. And it was, it just, it powered him. It powered the season. His subsequent seasons would be compared back to that. And that, you know, leads us down the road into everything that you're doing now. Absolutely. On a much more granular level, obviously. Sure. Absolutely. Um, That's a good point. But, you know, maybe I'm sure Plata wishes he could recapture that form. Yeah. And and that's the striker that you need. So. Yeah. Um, I think another highlight in terms of uh, best RSL memories was that one week between the two Monterey fixtures, right? Yeah. Went right after that last second goal. Yeah, that, that was, was very. I walked very tall and proud that week. Yeah, yes. when everybody <laughs> around the uh, American soccer world was jumping on the RSL band. MLS for RSL. Never forget it. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um. So what? Uh, what's your what's your three year plan for the analytics uh, group over there at RSL. Well, to make it into a group. 
<laughs> to be more than just simply myself, yeah. yes. <laughs> and I guess, I mean, that begs the question, how hard is it for you to have to balance 60 academy players that's probably the number that's going to grow from territories that are probably going to grow as, as rules sure. and everything changes? Uh, you've got the Monarchs probably you know, evolving into an MLS next group coming down the pipe. Still a U23 level squad. And yeah. then and then you've got everything that's happening uh, with the first team that's yeah. constantly evolving. Well, I, I, th- I can understand how one may approach this with some timidness or some stress, but I'll be honest, it doesn't quite intimidate me. I yeah. think even though as much as analytics is viewed at as a numbers person kind of job, I feel like I'm a bit of an anomaly. I'm a numbers person and a people person. And at the end of the day, I'm just talking to people. (laughs) It really is as simple as that. I'm integrating with my staff. I'm pushing and pulling information and just representing that information in different ways to, you know, translate that message Mm -hmm. to create those actionable insights. So down the road, obviously, yes, would love to build out an analytics department, have some support staff, have a centralized database that we're working on building, Um, whether it's going to be through an external provider or build it in-house. We're still ironing out some wrinkles. Um, But yeah, something that will be, you know, sustainable for the long run and something that our staff will be able to benefit from in the sense that they can click a button and see all the relevant information they want regarding those three buckets okay. internal analysis who are the best players on our team yeah. opposition analysis who are the best players on our upcoming opponents teams and scouting and recruiting how can we find the best player slash best fit right that's the age-old question yeah. what, what would you rather have if you ask me it's always best fit you ask some others in the organization it's best player but that's what the analytics would say mm-hmm. your excitement for this is infectious <laughs> um thank you Trey. at the risk of kind of sounding redundant what gets you out of bed in the morning? What 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 keeps you so motivated and so uh, engaged? Um, it's this idea that I can make a difference, and it's this idea that it's this idea surrounding legacy. I know this is going to go down a weird no. tangent, but I've always taken that term. And when I think legacy, I think of someone like a Walt Disney. Right? It's okay. about it's not about what you do solely while you're here. It's about the impact you leave sure. when you're not here anymore. And again, as been told by previous guests, I'm simply a piece on the mosaic of the RSL tradition and history. Yeah. You know, the club will always be here and I may one day not. But my goal is to put in the work that will tell the story that can prove and help validate part of the reason why our club is going to be successful again. So I think really it's obviously this, like the question said, why do I get up? Because I know I can make a difference. And of that opportunity of leaving a strong legacy behind. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so motivational. Yeah. Um, last question: What uh, What are your hopes, dreams, expectations for the twenty twenty one RSL season? Like I said before, I think there are a lot of reasons to be excited as a fan and as an employee again for Real Salt Lake. Culture reset, fresh faces, fresh players, mm-hmm. fresh staff. You know, there's a new energy in the halls. Amidst looming ownership transition, that doesn't really bother any of us in terms of how we're approaching our work. So what really has me excited is the success that this team is going to achieve. I feel it. I think I think the fans should see it and feel it. I know our staff is very optimistic about the future. Um, got some great pieces incoming with the Bobby Wood, with sure. Anderson Julio. Yeah, I, I thought the scrimmage, uh, you know, a little bit ago with Anderson Julio, Rubio Rubin looked great. Yeah. Andrew Brody, you know, I had the fortune to be able to see him 
kind of continue his development in Austria. Right. He looks great. I mean, I remember Andrew Brody when he started with the Monarchs yeah. almost being afraid of a challenge, and now he's creating opportunities in the attack and challenging defenders one-on-one. -on -one. He's great. You know, It's yeah. great to see Good that to see Pablo and Everton together. I mean, I'm excited. Like, If you look at the top 15, 16 of our roster and knowing that there's other pieces that are going to come in at some point and – you know, you're missing some of the starters that were with the Olympic qualifying group. You're missing, uh, you know, Bobby Wood. It's uh, it's 2021. I just I just can't wait till the games actually mean something. I'm I'm hoping we get the full six points in those first two weeks to absolutely to get into the Open Cup because that's a that's a tournament that's near and dear to my heart. Always has been. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been a little bit on an island on that some days uh, fighting with with Weibel and others in terms of where it uh, should be prioritized. I believe it holds good weight and value. I would prioritize it myself. Yeah, Absolutely. we'll get in we'll get into that. Any hardware is good hardware. Absolutely. Even the Rocky Mountain Cup, although maybe that's gotten a little stale, but uh you know, 2021 it's a you know, a new a new hope beckons. Um that's for all you Star Wars fans out there, which I'm not, <laughs> but I like it. Anyway, Vahe, um we look forward to having you on again as we get into the season and uh, and and kind of build upon this conversation as we all educate ourselves a little bit about uh, expected goals, expected this, that, and the other. But uh, I love it's it. fascinating stuff and really, really appreciate uh, your time Absolutely. with us here today and your commitment to making RSL a better, a better club. Thank you so much, Trey. I appreciate you for having me. All right. Thank you, it's a pleasure. Right, that is the latest version edition of Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, now presented to you by One Wire Fiber. Go to the number one wirefiber.com for all of your medium, small, large business IT needs. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to connect with us, and please do, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at Claret Cobalt, C-L-A-R-E-T-C-O-B-A-L-T. We are always up for some banter, for omissions, corrections, guest suggestions, your favorite RSL memories, or whatever. You can also share your RSL memories at anchor.fm slash Claret and Cobalt. Press that message button. We'd love to hear from you. This show, independently produced by Trey Fitzgerald and Mountain Air Media, recorded at Mountain Air Studios in Draper, Utah. The views expressed here on this show are our own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or positions of Real Salt Lake. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.